What's up, Managing Madrid Podcast listeners? This is Keon Sobani. Happy Thursday. What you're about to listen to is a clip derived from last night's post-game podcast. So two hours after Real Madrid beat Elche 4-0 at the Bernabeu, myself, along with Ewan McTeer and Jose Perez, both of whom were at the Bernabeu last night at the game, we hopped on Zoom and we were joined by a bunch of patrons live on the call. We did video breakdown. We took questions Q&A style live on the call. That entire episode was about one hour and 15 minutes if you want access to it, plus a weekly Zoom call and two bonus shows per week at least, including the mailbag, which goes up every Thursday, which is today. Go to patreon.com slash managingmadrid. We look forward to seeing you on the inside. You're going to love it and enjoy today's clip. Let's go. All right, so let's talk about the game. Uh... Real just starting lineup, Jose. Cruz obviously was out, out with a stomach bug. Modric on the bench. Kamavinga has been taken out of his left back position, maybe temporarily, but probably at least for the foreseeable future with Alaba back to full health now. And uh, we had a young dynamic midfield. I know you were full of praise or excited for the lineup on Twitter. So do you want to talk us through the starting lineup and what you liked about it? Absolutely. This had this one. I was very, very optimistic. Very optimistic about. Of course, uh, against uh, a stronger opponent, this would probably have a number of defensive issues. But for today, it seemed like a nice choice against an opponent that would, uh, let's just say, the Real Madrid were expected to concede less against this kind of opponent. So uh, I think Ancelotti was willing to take more risk. And I think there were many fun decisions in the lineup because of that. So you had Alaba play. Like, I was even expecting that, like, uh, Ancelotti was going to play, like, Nacho left back. But in the end, it's like, oh, we get Alaba left back. This is cool. So we get Alaba left back there, that really nice partnership of uh, Nacho and Militao. Nacho, to me, like, is is one of my... Uh, MVPs tonight, a really good performance. Um, and then you had that that super fun midfield that has, yes, like Camavinga more in the sixth role, Ceballos as the left interior, like who was just moving uh, all, all around um, and Fede on the right. So, and the other fun thing was, of course, Rodrigo on the left, which gets to like sometimes like especially when we see Rodrigo more like on the right we kind of forget that he's actually a pretty good dribbler a pretty impactful dribbler then of course when we see him in the center or on the left then he explodes there and today and yeah and today and today he had I think like nine dribbles attempted five completed something along those lines it just putting him on the left really exploits uh, those dribbling qualities. So all in all, I thought this was like a really fun lineup choice for this game. Yeah, I think Real Madrid fans are generally excited when they get to see Rodrigo play on the left wing because it virtually never happens. I mean, Vinicius never, never misses a game. And and Rodrigo never gets that that wing to himself. Ewan, I know you went to the Carlo Ancelotti press conference. Do you want to go over that quote? Because at one point, Ancelotti was talking about the difference in Rodrigo and, and Vinicius in their roles. Yeah, he was, um, I mean, it was like one of the last questions in the press conference. I was like, can somebody like please ask about Rodrigo on the left? Like to me going into this one, this was the thing I was um, looking at the most. Like this to me was kind of one of the main talking points going into it. They finally asked him and um, yeah, he made the point that 
Rodrigo goes inside a lot more than Vinicius does. And he said that was one of the reasons why he wanted to have a proper left-back, not Camavinga, um, and put Alaba there because Alaba knows that kind of role, has played with many different left-wingers and is a bit more able to, to judge when to go, when to stay, when to move inside, when to come, all of these things at Camavinga. Um, it worked really well with Vinicius, but you don't want to ask Camavinga to play with a new left-winger when Camavinga is going to move away from left-back next game anyway so um, I thought that was interesting the way that yeah he said you know Rodrigo plays the left wing a different uh, kind of way even in the pre-match Ancelotti said you know there's no way to replace Vinicius you can't but Rodrigo will play there which I thought was interesting because I think when uh, maybe maybe two or three years ago um, a lot of people thought that they were kind of interchangeable and that Rodrigo was just kind of like a slightly worse left winger than Vinicius but Rodrigo has proven to be uh, many other things and I think Ancelotti loves having his versatility, but at the end of the day, he his favorite position is seemingly still left wing. And he was he was on it from the start. First 15 minutes, free key passes, he was absolutely on it. He was um clearly keen to to make the most of that opportunity. And then um basically once the job was done, he he didn't have quite as much to do. But uh yeah, really impressed with him on the left wing. Bit bit of a shame for him because we won't see it again probably till who knows, maybe next season or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it will be it took Vinicius a yellow card suspension for this to happen. Mm. So I think it's going to be hard for the, for us to see it again. It was interesting to see him move centrally quite a bit and move between the lines in a central role. And, and his link up like at the top of the box with Benzema was really nice to see. I He was he was the best player on the field for me. Uh, I, I just really, really liked his link up play. I liked the fact that he was his dribbling was good. His line breaking was good. I liked I, he he was unlucky not to have a couple of assists. He had at least one really beautiful cross into Benzema in the box. We had a couple more passes to Benzema in the box too. Benzema in this game, ten shots. It's a lot of shots. I think he had like seven of them by halftime. Uh, just a lot of chances for Benzema. We we got to point out that is now second all time in Real Madrid history in goal scored in La Liga. He was tied with Raúl heading into this game. He scored number 289 and 290, I think. That's off the top of my head. Or was it 99? Yeah, 289 and 90, right? Yeah. Um, so that moves him second and also into the top five uh, all-time La Liga goal scorers. Pretty impressive feat. Jose, do you care to analyze this one tactically or do you like this? Does this just get kind of lost in the wind like a preseason game? Well, there were a couple of fun things, especially during the first half. Like the second half was already def- like definitely the, the game had died down, but there were a few interesting things throughout the first half. Uh, one of the things like, and this boils down a bit to what Ancelotti mentioned in the press conference about how both players, uh, both Rodrigo and Vinicius interpret differently. For example, and the comment about Rodrigo going more inside. So for example, Vinicius tends to stay out, out on the left. So Benzema usually remains more static in the center. Today, we saw a lot of interplay of, of like Benzema going out wide uh, to the left more frequently while Rodrigo went inside, which I thought was pretty fun. And in general, just the combination, I think the combinations uh, between Rodrigo and Benzema were quite, were quite fun because like Vinicius has his own way of doing things because in the end, he is like a more of a one versus one demon. 
for, for getting it, while Rodrigo is a bit of a more associative player. So uh, they just op- they just impact games differently, and that and definitely that affected a lot of like uh, uh, the dynamics on the left side because a lot of because when Vinicius is there, he stay and it's the, exactly Ancelotti's comment like he stays wide left, and then that's why, for example, you the, he benefits more from like inside fullback. But here it was a bit different. Alaba was playing a more traditional role outside while Rodrigo was going inside and switching positions. With Benzema, that was quite fun. The other fun things were uh, Camavinga and Ceballos just leading the build-up, um, leading the build-up alongside Nacho. Nacho had uh, a really nice game, not just defensively, but also like I really like his game on the ball because there were several situations where he made the aggressive pass. If he saw an opportunity to carry the ball forward and advance, he took it. So I really like that. And then, of course, with with Camavinga and Ceballos, if you're going against the team that's trying to man mark these two, and those two are having a good night, it's going to be very hard for that man marking pressing system, as it happened today uh, with Elche. Camavinga, in general, like he like he's always good. He's always press resistant. I think the only thing today is that there were a couple times there. Well, there were more than a couple times where he overcomplicated things, and that led to turnovers. And it's like Elche could not punish them because one, they're Elche and they're not doing well, and two, because Nacho and Militao are play were playing at a really high level, so counter, so any potential counters got shut down relatively quickly. But those turnovers against a more dangerous opponent could have been quite problematic. Uh, and then, and then there's Ceballos just doing his whole running the game thing when when Cross is not there, which is super fun because he just shows up everywhere um and and it and it's quite fun to see those interactions because sometimes like Ceballos is the one who drops uh, closer to the center backs to collect the ball sometimes it was Camavinga a lot of interplay there and it was just really difficult for Elche to handle all that like it's uh, in many ways their attempts at pressing they were, they were just transparent, like it, 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 it never works. So, and a lot of that has to do with, yes, with Nacho, with Nacho being aggressive on the ball and with those two being, and with Ceballos and Camavinga being so press resistant. And I think that's kind of the tactical bits I have for this game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a great point also to point out the fact that some of these things that we may have not gotten away with in other games we did today, and it was down to the fact that Elche can't really punish you. Like Kamavinga and Ceballos both were really good today, but they both had a few moments each where they were kind of careless in possession, a little bit um, heavy touches, and Elche Elche can't can't do do anything anything in transition. Um, Can you guys still hear me? I think I cut out for a second. Mm -hmm. I'm good? Okay. Um, So just want to point this out too. I'm kind of thankful for this quote-unquote break in the schedule in terms of easier opponents. We've now scored 13 goals in the past three games. I think it was great to just kind of have this heading into a really tough stretch. You and you know you know this better than me probably, but had the Club World Cup not existed, or Real Madrid not had to play it, rather, uh, what would have our schedule been? It would have just been a continuation of La Liga games. Is there anything that we... Yeah. Push. Did, wasn't there a Valencia game that we were supposed to play at this time? In- not, not really. The Valencia game was from the Spanish Super Cup. Um, that from that weekend. Um, this Elche game is actually from like 
the round of fixtures that just happened, like when Barcelona played uh, Villarreal, when Atletico played Celta Vigo, this was Real Madrid was supposed to play Elche at home last weekend, like three days ago. So it just got moved here. If there'd been no Club World Cup, basically Real Madrid would have had a, a free midweek um, because this is the Champions League um, uh, side of the, the last 16 first legs when they don't play. So they would have had a free midweek. But I think you're right. It's good to have this game to... And build up a bit of momentum. Also, just and this was the kind of point I wrote about the kind of point I was saying where they needed to get the fourth goal. They needed to make a statement almost because yeah. they scored those. They had those two games, the four four goals and five goals in the in the Club World Cup. But it'd been a, a while since the Bernabeu got to see an absolute goal fest. And speaking to some Real Madrid fans, you know, both here and we've spoken about it on the podcast. There's a lot of games where Real Madrid just kind of take their foot off the gas when they're winning. And they don't just absolutely punish teams. A lot of fans that go to the Bernabeu and watching on TV, they want to see a 5-0, a 5-1, 6-0 if they can. The kind of results that, okay, maybe not so much this season, but in other seasons, Barcelona will often win 5-1, 6-0, a lot of home games at the Camp Nou. And Real Madrid are often just, once they get to 3-0, taking their foot off the gas. I really felt this game had to be, I even wrote about this um, and in, in my three questions, three answers piece. And I was starting to write this at the start of the game. Can they score five again? They'd only scored uh, five goals in two games this season, which seems maybe harsh to say only, but this is Real Madrid. You look at some of the opponents they've played, uh, you know, the fans want to see lots of goals when they go to the Bernabeu on a night like this against the bottom team. And as I said, I'll say it again, potentially the worst ever La Liga participant in Elche. They needed to score a lot of goals. And there was a point in the second half when it was 3-0, they were wasting so many chances. And I think that's something we should talk about. Um, we did mention Benzema and how many shots he had. That, you know, <laughs> Apart from the penalties, he missed all of those shots, which I think we should uh, speak about. But at least in the end, they did finally get the fourth goal. But the fans need results like this to really get motivated for this more difficult stretch where there's going to be some 1-0 grinding out results. There's going to be some games like maybe the Atletico uh, Copa game where it goes to extra time, it's narrow, but you win. There's not going to be a big goal fest celebration, at least at the Bernabeu, for a long time because the schedule just gets insane. So they really needed this and the fans needed this too, I think. If if we get the big goal festival in any of these upcoming games on the schedule, I, I think it would be incredible, obviously, because the games are really tough and consequential. But uh, to your point about Benzema's 10 shots, uh, apparently his most ever in a La Liga game. Which is not surprising. I mean, ten is a lot of shots. Even like, even if you look at the 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 guys who are just shot generating machines like Cristiano Ronaldo at his peak. I mean, he wasn't hitting ten a game. He was hitting a lot. I think his average was like maybe seven or something like that. Um, so ten, 10 is a lot. Um, and he only scored from the penalties. I suppose that is a concern because this has been a theme now with Benzema, right? He's been scoring the PKs from open play. He's been a, been less efficient. That's for sure. Um, Jose, where do you think is a natural talking point from here? Yeah, with Benzema, it's complicated because like, at least it's nice that he gets the two penalties. Like it helps uh, boost confidence a bit, but it's still. Uh, so when I was looking at the first half of the season, like Benzema looked a lot like this, and uh, like I would call it, I don't, uh, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of like a depressed Benzema in the sense that like just looks less mobile like like i see him in like right now like as a more static uh 
more, more static player. He's not moving. He's not moving as much or moving more slowly. Um, he's, I even, yeah, I like, I even saw him like for, like he's never tracked back too much, but just even for those things, like I just generally saw him slip, have seen him slower on the pitch. And like, it just like, it, it like it, it, these are just like little details that talk a bit about what could be his physical state at the moment. I don't know if in the end, this is mental, if it is physical, not entirely sure, not entirely sure what it is, but it's clear that on several aspects, it's not the same Benzema as last year. Cause it's, Again, just a less dynamic, a less dynamic player, a bit less involved, and yeah, and in the box, and when it comes to efficiency, yes, he's lost that inevitability that he had last season, where like if a ball got into the box, uh, you knew he would he would get like he would get one out of three or something like that, which which by the way was an unsustainable efficiency. So he it was always going to. Uh, so I think this season it was always he was it was almost due for him to be less efficient. But yeah, it is still kind of hard to see. Sh- like there are like uh, two or three shots that that I saw today that I saw them and I was thinking it's like if he gets this last season, those go in. And and yeah, and it is a difference because in the end, the best version of Real Madrid needs the best version of Karim Benzema. And if Real Madrid doesn't, and this is something that is going to hurt, maybe not in the league, because these days Vinicius and Rodrigo do such a, do such a good job, do such a good job creating things and getting things to happen in games. But I think especially in Champions League knockouts, this could become a bit, this could become an issue because it was, it, it, it was Benzema at that Ballon d'Or level that really, uh, as well, both Courtois and Benzema really operating at Ballon d'Or level last season that really got Real Madrid through some really tough knockout games. And if Benzema continues at this level, then yeah, like Real Madrid loses a very decisive aspects in the toughest games of the calendar. How much do you guys think this is kind of bad luck with him? Because it's it's a weird one to me because, yeah, last year was a little bit maybe you, it's hard to sustain what he was doing last year. Yeah. But also it's I feel like he's this isn't normal either. Like the normal is probably somewhere in between with him. Yeah. A player. Who, That's the thing. A, ploy, a player who is like devoid in confidence and nothing's working for him. Like it's not normal for a guy like that to have 10 shots in the game. He's doing a bunch of things correctly. He's moving off the ball well. Yeah. He's getting chances but sure i think you can see that the maybe his shooting isn't as good uh whether it's the the placement the the the, the velocity of the shots whatever is think, some of this just bad luck i think i think we've had a long a large enough sample size to to see that it's not just a bad an off night it's not just one game like where it's just not fallen for him, something like that. Like Jose said, there were some of the shots tonight that really genuinely I expected to hear a roar from the... Like, one of them was the header in the first half. I couldn't believe that didn't go in. That was a Benzema goal every single uh, day of the rest of his career, basically. I think we've seen it long enough over the season that this is not just a blip. This is a, a bit more of a trend. This also, we have to remember, comes, and maybe this is the reason, is... Physically, he's just not the same. The injuries, so many more injuries than he had last season. He recovers from one, he is able to play a month, some other issue comes up. It's kind of been a stop-start season for him. 
so it's really hard, obviously, to to generate the kind of momentum and confidence that he had when he was playing last season. But yeah, the sample size is long enough. He's got 11 La Liga goals now, which makes him the second top scorer, only three behind Lewandowski. But five of those are penalties. Um, penalties count. It's amazing that he's taken them. He dispatched the two tonight absolutely perfectly. But five of them were penalties. Another one was, you remember the free kick against Espanyol when they had like a centre-back and goal and it was that was basically a penalty too. Really, it's five normal open play Benzema goals that he's got in the league so far this season. Having missed a lot of games, keep that in mind. I think that is a long, large enough sample size to be a little bit concerned because last season, obviously, he was scoring so many more goals from open play, from all angles, and we just haven't quite seen it. So, yeah, the fact that he missed so many different kinds of shots in this game, I don't think that was just an off night because we've kind of seen this trend over the last uh, last while because most of his goals that we've seen in the last few months, the whole season really, have been penalties. He might still somehow catch up to Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. Lewandowski is cold a little bit. Um, and so, however, Benzema is getting... I mean, he missed three like, games, I guess. But yeah, like, yeah. Would you argue that he's kind of cool since the World Cup, though? Lewandowski? Mm, yeah. Not really. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would say, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe his rates... Uh, yeah, maybe he's cooled a little bit. But I would say Lewandowski's still kind of going. He, he missed three games basically most of January. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he couldn't add to it, but um, Benzema's catching up and he might catch up to him because, I mean, it doesn't look like Real Madrid are going to um, stop winning penalties. I mean, uh, they're a penalty-winning machine. Um, I wrote about this just looking at the stats. They've got 15 penalties now, one already in all competitions this season. Um, last season, it was 16 for the whole season, and that was a high season in itself. The last 10 years, the most penalties... Real Madrid have gotten a season was 2017-18. They got 18 penalties that year. Real Madrid are going to blast past that record this season. They're, they're winning the most penalties like that they have in basically the 21st century. And that's credit to, to them, to Ancelotti, to the way they play. You look at the season before Ancelotti came, Real Madrid won five penalties that season. The next year they win 16, and then this year they've won 15 already. That's because they just get inside the box. They're putting... You know, they can create handball penalties, they can create fouls in the box. Um, it's an underrated aspect of Real Madrid's game that, you know, having those dynamic players running the back, they're going to win so many spot kicks. And if Benzema is able to dispatch them, that's perfect. He's still going to get his goals. But, um, yeah, I would say a little bit concerning that um, from open play, it's just not even close to the same Benzema as, as last year, which makes sense because that was a ridiculous uh, career high year. Yeah, and the thing, like, what concerned me is that, like, when I saw the struggles, say, first half of the season, I'm like, okay, in the, the there's a bunch of it. There are injuries and everything. It's going to get better second half of the season. And, of course, the concerning thing is that, like, I thought that by the time that Champions League knockouts came about, he was already going to be going back to his best level, and that's not how, and that's not what has happened. So, yeah. It is, so I'm still not, and that's the thing, like, I'm still not sure then, like, what will it take for him to, uh, to get back, to get back to his best? Uh, my thesis is, yeah, uh, is that it's a bit more physical, that he's lacked a bit more continuity. Uh, well, we'll see, May, we'll see if it can get better over the coming months. It would be great if it did, because he'll be very necessary for the Champions League knockouts. I think it's coming. That's my prediction. I think it's going to come in the Champions League. 
And then once he gets one or two, I think he'll get back to it. I, I think he's too yeah. good. I think he's, I know we can talk about the physical aspect of this, which obviously is not the same physical player he was last year. I know it was only a year ago, but the injuries speak for themselves. Um, I think it's coming. And I, I think it's just around the corner. He just needs some, some of this is a little bit to me, bad luck. And eventually one or two of these will go in. And I think that'll give him some momentum. Someone we didn't really talk about is Ceballos. Um, one of my favorite accounts, maybe my favorite account on Twitter is Mark Statsbot. Just always go to his account after a game and see what's up. Um, automatically tweets all the good stuff after the game. Uh, XG obviously heavily in our favor. And field tilt, possession, all that stuff heavily in our favor. We kept a high defensive line. This one is just Danny Ceballos things. The best ball progressor via carries and passing. Right over here in the top right. Uh, just and in that, my point was we didn't really talk about Ceballos, but he had a really good game too. He continues to impress. Yeah. Um, so again, our our pressing. Yeah, and this is what happens when he. It's what happens when he takes on the cross role, basically. Like he's the one who becomes the hub in possession. So of course, like his in those in those cases, his progression stats are just going to go through the roof. Yeah. Yeah, um, you can kind of see Elche allowed us to play 20 passes out of the back on average, while Elche only played six on um, they, six passes per defensive action. So our press was infinitely better than theirs. And I don't know if there's anything else that's super interesting. Jose, you were talking about the passing sequences and the build up to the goals. Uh, over we had 34, 10 plus passing sequences, etc. And and more stats on Ceballos. And you guys, did you guys have anything else on Ceballos? No, I mean it was obviously like a good game. I think you kind of touched on it a little bit sloppiness at some points. You know, some of these passes that count as a pass mm, a few times, maybe not the the cleanest. And Leoff was one. I think he played the Militao really put him in a situation. In the first half, but I mean, it's at the point now where Sabayos is playing so well that it's not even really something um, extraordinary that we need to um, highlight. It's um, this is kind of the new norm that he can, you know, start a game and and give this kind of kind of performance. And Jotti actually in the press conference was asked, "Okay, we've seen players like Sabayos come into their own these last few weeks. Do you think they could do it in that uh, atmosphere like Anfield?" And Jotti almost just like laughed, like, "Yeah, of course, like you know." So, um, yeah, he's, you know, racking up the appearances and it's becoming second nature to him. Uh, quick look at the XG chart. <clears throat> uh, this one from Elche here, Diego Gonzalez, from a corner, mm. is, was, is a really actually a really good chance. And that's just one where we don't defend at all. And our set-piece defending is not great all season. Maybe the past five years, ten years, hundred years, we just own. Oh, it doesn't matter if we're playing against Elche, uh, Pep's Barca, or uh, Jose's high school team. We're gonna concede open headers on set pieces every time. And this one, Diego Gonzalez was completely unmarked. I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, and then the two big chances that we miss was this one from Rodrigo, where it was in a good position, uh, and then this one from Benzema. And that's the header that you and you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. That. You would have expected him to to score that. Um, 
some yeah, stats. It's quite nice. That, it's quite nice that they generated like even with the two penalties. The two penalties are just like one fifty xg. Like even aside from that, they still generated like two point fifty from all yeah. the other things. So it is quite like like they just really like broke broke Elche apart. Even aside for aside from the penalties. Yeah, uh, the, the, it was a, it was a really great just sheer volume from us, and and that's I want to go back to that point about these three games, thirteen goals. This has been great just for confidence levels. I think um, these three games. Some stats that jumped out, which you can see over on managingmajor.com. We have a solid social team now that just it's just been constant. So and the next in the last few days, we really revved up the the Twitter. So make sure you're following if you haven't already. Some stats that jumped out. Ceballos, 116 touches, three key passes. Benzema, 10 shots, two goals, three key passes. Rodrigo, five key passes, five dribbles, 96% passing accuracy. And this is he the He just Benzema. missed two passes. He just and, missed two passes, even though he created all the much and dribbled. So and do you, know, do, you know when, nice. do you know when he missed those two passes, Jose? It was from the 89th minute onwards, because I had a big thing in my uh, piece ready to publish at full time about how he had 100... <laughs> And percent uh, person accuracy on like 60 passes and then I saw him I was like no did he, did he just <laughs> no. did he just roll that out no. and then he missed <laughs> another one so the only two passes he missed um, were from the 89th minute onwards um, nice. so um, yeah just really I think you said it Kian your man in the match like really you know didn't maybe grab all the headlines but this was you know Rodrigo uh, you know star player electric from the first minute again he missed those two passes last two minutes. I said it before, I'll say it again. The first 15 minutes, that's when he got three of those key passes. He came out firing. So, um, big up Rodrigo. They should have a rule that after minute 85 doesn't doesn't count for journalism purposes. We Whatever yeah. happens after minute 85 is out of our control. Rodrigo had 100% passing that accuracy. That would have made some weird match reports last Champions League round. Take it or leave it. Yeah, and then, yeah, Real Madrid lost every single Champions League tie last year based on yeah. that. Um, here's Benzema's 10 shots. Is there actually 10 dots? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, yeah, the, there's two on the red one. So, yeah, 